Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen. Daily, we bring you insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg. And we welcome all of you worldwide on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, an important interview with the Vice Chairman of the Federal Reserve, Richard Clarida, made more important by the events of this week. Yes, we always talk about Richard Clarida, about the broader scope and scale of economics, but this time is different. As Reinhardt and Rogoff said <laughs> classically 10 years ago, the news flow is extraordinary. Vice Chairman, thank you so much for joining Bloomberg. It's important to be in this room. We're in the magisterial Eccles building. Yeah. It's a jewel of 1930s architecture. And we are in the special library with all these books, most of them first edition from the private collection of Adolf Miller and others. It's the scope of economics just over your right shoulder, the three volumes of Alan Miller. Sir, do any of these books in this library matter in the modern economics that we have today? I think they do, Tom. You know, context is important. Uh, you know, whether they say history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And I think I'm a, I'm a student to some extent of monetary history. So, so, of course, yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in this building and in this room. As they brought us in from security, we looked down in the lobby where FDR dedicated this yeah. building. He had some challenges. Chairman Bernanke has, of course, written exclusively, uh, wonderfully, I should say, about those challenges. And they had a challenge of disinflation and deflation. Yeah. This challenge we have now is different than then, right? Well, it is different, although we are in a world really globally of, of lower inflation. You see that in the Eurozone. You see that in Japan. In the U.S., we're close to our 2% objective, and that's very important uh, to us. But you're right. Uh, there are some important global trends now that are impacting the U.S. and other countries. Let's begin with this word solid. I yeah. think of Yellen, Slack. There's a number yeah. of others. Uh, we're, we have a solid economy. What is a solid economy well, right look, now? I think our outlook is really for a sustained economic expansion, Tom. And and that's important because as of uh, about a week from now, this will become the longest expansion in U.S. Uh, history. We had very strong growth in the first quarter, north of 3%. We could see some moderation in growth this year, but the economy's baseline outlook is good. Sustained growth, a strong labor market, and inflation uh, near our objective. Then why are we speaking of cutting interest rates? Well, because in this environment, Tom, especially in the last six or eight weeks, there have been elevated uncertainty about the outlook. The economy is hitting some cross currents uh, now there's been a marking down in global growth prospects. There's uncertainty about international trade. There's some evidence that's weighing on sentiment uh, a bit. So we're monitoring that, that closely and we'll act as appropriate to sustain expansion. I can go four or five ways. Let's, yeah. let's begin with this new word, uncertainty. Yeah. Uncertainty are non-policy shocks. We focus on the trade war. We focus on the president, but there's many other shocks out there. Mr. Draghi dealing with his shocks, yes. Mr. Kuroda and others dealing with the Norwegian bank just uh, yesterday or the day before raising rates. Yeah. because of the shocks they have. What's the non-policy shock that matters for the vice chairman? Well, I think that, that we really have uncertainty in the sense that there's always some geopolitical uncertainty, but there's also uncertainty about how the global economy navigates at a point. You know, you have negative interest rates in the Eurozone uh, and in uh, Japan. Those countries are, are well away from where they want to be. Uh, and I think that is a factor uh, as, as well. When you ran 
Columbia Economics, and yeah. some would say reinvigorated Columbia yeah. Economics with your acquisition of talent. There was a demand at Columbia about a study of economic history. Yeah. Within our economic history, have we ever had an American central bank that is central banker to the world because of ne negative interest rates, because of the challenges well, in Asia? Well, that's an interesting question, Tom, as I'm not surprised from you. I think the Fed has played the dominant role in central banking uh, throughout most of my professional uh, uh, career. I think perhaps what's a little bit unusual this time is the, U the U.S. is much closer to where it wants to be uh, in terms of both employment uh, and inflation than our other major uh, economies. And because we mm -hmm. have a much more globalized capital market than we did 40 years ago when I began my studies, that also has an impact uh, as well that's probably a little bit different than in the past. You know, when I do these interviews, I always bring in the resources of Bloomberg. Let me start with a silence in the press conference. Michael McKee asked an important question, yeah. and Chairman Powell gave a graceful answer, but maybe dodge the glide path of what you hope to accomplish. If we have one rate cut, two or even three rate cuts, what does that accomplish for the American economy, well, given your 2% statistic for growth? Well, first of all, of course, let me remind your viewers that at our most recent meeting, we made no adjustment to policy, but we did say that we are monitoring closely the cross currents that are facing the economy and some of these uh, uncertainties. And also, as Chair Powell indicated, uh, there was, I think, broad agreement around the table that the case for providing more accommodation has increased uh, since our May uh, meeting. Uh, and, and clearly, we're going to be looking and, and be very attuned to the incoming data flow. But again, I think the important point, Tom, about our policy is we have the tools necessary to sustain expansion, uh, a strong labor market, and, and stable prices. And as appropriate, we will deploy those tools to achieve those goals. Uh, we welcome all of you again on Bloomberg Radio and Bloomberg Television Worldwide, a conversation with the Vice Chairman of the Fed, Richard uh, Clarida. Our Craig Torres is not only okay. writing of economics, but he is truly a student of the history of it. As I mentioned before, Yellen with the word slack, Clarida with the word solid, Craig Torres says, how stuck is this Federal Reserve? What are the degrees of freedom you feel you have, given the global events and given the realities of a buoyant, a solid American economy, and yet a need for rate cuts? How stuck in a position is this Fed? Well, I admire Craig. I don't think we're stuck at all. I think, in fact, we have the flexibility that we need that I think some other countries would wish that they, would wish that they had. Uh, you know, our primary tool is the federal funds rate. You know, we're, we're, we're far away from the zero bound, so we certainly have some, mm -hmm. some room along those lines if we need to, and again, we'll act as appropriate. Uh, so I don't think we're stuck at all, and I think, as, again, we have a toolkit and we have an objective assigned to us by the Congress, and, and we're going to do our best to achieve that objective. This is incredibly important, yeah. the idea of being near the zero bound, and we have one rate cut. I'll get to 50 basis point yeah. rate cut in July in a moment. Sure. No, you don't want to talk about. Oh, okay. But is it linear? If you cut 25 basis wow. points, 50, then 75, is it a linear effect on the American economy? Or does it compound? Is there inertial force? Is there an increasing wow. force as you make multiple rate cuts? Well, I think there are a couple of points here. First of all, uh, a lot of our models are, are linear. Uh, and as someone who wrote down models, I know that. But the real world is nonlinear. And I think as policymakers, we factor that in uh, at, you know, right. as we can. So the linear response is the starting point, but in that room and in that meeting, we're certainly alert to nonlinearities. Yeah. Market economists, 
uh, right now, judging Draghi of a few days ago, yeah. judging the Powell press conference, and now judging Richard Clare to Alan Ruskin at Deutsche Bank yeah. and many others go, July 5th really matters. A moldy unemployment report, you're going to tell me it's just one data point. What is the challenge on July 5 if you get a soft, a weak, a tepid labor economy report? Well, I think year to date, the, the labor market has been, has been strong. Obviously, if you look at payroll gains, you look at the unemployment rate on average. We did have a soft print uh, recently, but it's important for your viewers to know, Tom, we're not looking at any one data point. We get a lot of data. We're getting data on GDP towards the end of July. We'll get data on PCE inflation uh, pretty soon. Obviously, we get a lot of global data. We're looking at the global manufacturing cycle. Uh, we're looking at uh, the down, down, you know, downward estimates to global growth as well. So there are a lot of, a lot of factors. It's, we're not a one-note uh, central bank here, that's for sure. Or sometimes we read one research, research, re, I'll get it out, research note. Uh, Vice Chairman, you maybe missed this research note from Barclays where uh -huh. they stunned uh, global Wall Street with the idea of a 50 basis point rate cut in July. I don't want you to comment on that. I know you're and not going to. I know you're not going <laughs> to answer the question. But what's important there is the underlying theme, which is these challenges, these uncertainties, yeah. these non-policy shocks will move from goods-producing and manufacturing-producing America and Europe and the rest over into the buoyant service sector. Yeah. Is that a risk? Well, I think there's an evolution and economies evolve. And for the last 50 years, we've seen the economy become more of a service economy. That's true in, in, around the world. That's just a trend of global um, mm -hmm. uh, development. Uh, you know, but again, the U.S. economy is a complex organism and, and uh, overall growth rate is obviously important. But markets are going to work to allocate uh, resources. And we really focus on the overall aggregate uh, picture. You know, it's not the Fed's job to look at the service sector versus any other uh, sector. Uh, but we're, again, trying to support maximum employment right. and price stability. One of the things that's wonderful about you is you've left a paper trail of yeah. academic <laughs> I excellence. Have like nobody, <laughs> well, you must I've go, left a paper trail, that's for don't, sure. Don't, you've <laughs> left the paper trail, and there's all sorts of things out there. Yeah. I like to pick one paper yeah. and study it before you and I speak, well, vice chairman or not vice chairman. Claire to Waldman, 2007, yeah. is a brilliant walkthrough of inflation shock. Yeah. Did you ever think we'd be here where we're looking the other way at disinflation? Shock? Well, you know, that, that you bring that up, uh, Tom, and you're right. That paper was written in 2006 and published in 2007. Uh, and certainly my crystal ball didn't indicate almost anything that has happened in the last dozen uh, years. The interesting thing about that paper, though, is it basically argued that in the old world, the way exchange rates would respond to inflation was to to weaken, and we argued that if you have inflation targeting central banks, incredible central banks, that that correlation can go the other way. And, and in that paper and other papers since then, that has held up in the data. Is credibility at risk with all the challenges? This is historic week for yeah. economics of the, of the Draghi uh, uh, discussion, yeah. of the delicacy that Chairman Powell uh, faced in the press conference. Is credibility of our banking at risk? I don't think so, Tom. You know, and let me explain to your viewers, because you have a lot of global viewers on your show. Uh, our mandate is assigned to us by the Congress in statute, in black and white. The law says we have a goal of maximum employment price stability, and we have the independence to set our policy rates in order to achieve those goals. But we mm -hmm. are accountable. We're accountable for our results. We're accountable for explaining and trying to explain what we're doing and why we did it. 
Um, and I don't think our independence is, is under threat, and I think we're doing our job, and we'll continue to do our the job. The sea change, and we say this, folks, yeah. in honor of Martin Feldstein, who oh, yeah. died just this week, a huge loss for economics. A huge loss. And, his courage, and, one of my, and one of my teachers. And, and, and one of your teachers, and, and, and truly a mentor, and talking to Rick Mishkin, the former governor, the yeah. other day, a profound linkage of policy oh, with yeah. this academics oh, yeah. that we have. We are at a moment where we're asking for other people to finally help central bankers. Yeah. Are we so fiscally constrained right now that you guys feel alone, given the growth yeah. of the debt and the deficit? Well, let me say this. Let me say this again. Our mandate is is monetary policy, so we don't weigh in to, to fiscal policy. Obviously, we take fiscal policy into account in our outlook and in calibrating our appropriate policy uh, response. I, I do think that we are in a world where we're not just in the U.S., but around the world, we do need to recognize that there are a lot of important public policy issues that are really fiscal policy mm -hmm. issues that are not the purview of central banks. And I think to the extent that the public feels that the central banks are the solution to every uh, concern about the economy is, is is not the correct one. We actually have a pretty narrow mandate, uh, and we tend to focus on that. I have no idea the law or process of demotion at this great institution. Yeah. I know you don't want to talk about this, but it is in the air in Washington. Sure. We have a president who speaks his mind yeah. by this modern communication method. How has this building responded to the gossip, the innuendo of a demotion of any given Fed chair. You know, chairman. Tom, I can tell you, and we've known each other for 20 years, we're just doing our job. It helps that we have a very crisp and clear mandate. We have a toolkit. We have an excellent staff. We have 12 Reserve Bank presidents from around the country. We sit around that big table just across the hall. Uh, we have an objective. We have the tools. Um, and we have a very, very, uh, very, very collegial committee. And we reach, we think, good, good decisions. Vice Chairman Clarita, thank you so much. Thank Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Subscribe and listen to interviews on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. I'm on Twitter at Tom Keen. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide on Bloomberg Radio.